Well, it's great to be with you again on this Easter Sunday, uh, of course, Resurrection Sunday. And I don't know whether you've noticed, but we human beings seem to have a very natural aversion to death, even talking about it. Uh, to us, death is the end. And I guess that's understandable because ultimately we don't see many people coming back from the other side of the grave. And then we hit a day like Resurrection Sunday where we're actually talking about someone who was raised from the dead, coming to life, living forever. Literally, the the watermark of that truth would appear to be uh, millions and millions upon millions of changed lives right down through 2,000 years of history since that very first Easter. And I guess that has to beg the question, what was Easter? What was that all about? What happened at Easter time that had such an impact on the world that we know? I'd like to read a passage from the the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, and the writer of Hebrews says this, Inasmuch then as the children have have partaken of flesh and blood, He himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, who through fear of death were all of their lifetime subject to bondage. I find this passage an amazing passage because in one sense, you could almost say that these three sentences arguably tell the whole story of the Bible. The whole focal point of the Bible can be found in the context of these three verses. And so I'd like to look at them one by one tonight and uh, and see what they mean to us or can mean to us now. The first sentence, the writer says this, Inasmuch then as the children, that's actually talking about humanity, you and I, inasmuch as we have partaken of flesh and blood. And what it's talking about then is literally our humanity. We, we, have, we experience a flesh and blood life. And then it says this of Jesus, He himself likewise shared in the same, the same flesh and blood experience. And so right away we see that in talking about the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the whole Easter story, we see that Easter is actually the culmination of the Christmas story. The incarnation, God in man walking amongst us, experiencing temptation, experiencing trial and tribulation, experiencing the, the, the hatred and, uh, and the abuse of others. Anything that we could experience as people in our flesh, God himself through Jesus Christ experienced the same. In other words, God has walked a mile in our shoes, but not because it just makes a good storyline. If you look at Christmas, I mean, I, I love the story of Christmas and, and obviously it's, it's been milked for a lot of things. 
the storyline of Christmas. But I think we need to keep in mind uh, that from the scripture's point of view, that Christmas is, is less about a baby born in a stable and more about God identifying with suffering humanity and allowing our brokenness to totally crush him. The Christmas story is less about the birth of an innocent little baby and more about the death and resurrection of the only man to ever stay as innocent as a child. So we can love the sentimental side of Christmas, but we need to recognize it was only the beginning of a much larger story. Christmas finds its fulfillment in Easter, ultimately. The next sentence, the writer says that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. That through Jesus' death, he was going to destroy the one who held the power of death or the devil. So the second thing that that first Easter was is a grudge match of cosmic proportions. It was a battle. As a matter of fact, when Jesus actually died and, and, and gave up his spirit on the cross, the Bible records that the temple veil was split into a big, thick, heavy hessian embroidered uh, veil split from top to bottom to signify that the presence of God had come out amongst men. Uh, scripture also says that rocks split, the ground opened up, the sun disappeared for several hours. Uh, Matthew actually says in, in his gospel in chapter 27 that the tombs broke open and bodies of many holy people literally came back to life. And it's like, wow, talk about doing the resurrection shuffle. That would have been incredible to see. And I have this sort of thought myself that maybe, uh, you know, as Jesus went on his way to plundering hell, I, I can't help but, forgive me for the picture, I can't help but see him giving him a high five on the way past as people came to life as literally like a first fruits of the resurrection. There was enough life and power in him coming out of that tomb that those around him were affected. In John chapter 19, when Jesus is on the cross, he cries out, it is finished. And again, I want us to note that 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 wasn't Jesus saying, I'm finished. That was Jesus saying something has been achieved. Something has been completed. Something has been accomplished through my death. Uh, the Greek word that is used there that he actually spoke is the Greek word tetelestai, which was, a, was a, a word that was stamped on the invoices of the day that literally let someone know that the account was settled. It had been paid in full. When Christ's blood was shed, our forgiveness was assured. And when it comes to him destroying the power of the one who holds death, that is the devil, uh, the devil literally untied his own knot when it comes to him tying humanity up, keeping humanity in bondage. The devil literally in, uh, in orchestrating the crucifixion of Christ destroyed his own grip on humanity. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 actually puts it this way, that none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified 
the Lord of glory. And there it's talking about these spiritual forces. And we need to understand that when Jesus died and everything that happened in that Easter, God wasn't surprised by it. He wasn't taken off guard because for God, it wasn't a disaster. It, it was actually an overwhelming victory. In John chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, that, that whoever, there is an open invitation This is not a closed circuit thing. This is not a within the church walls kind of thing. This is not just for some particular kind of people, but there is an open invitation from heaven, the power of death. And he who had held humanity in his grip through the fear of death has been destroyed. And now there is an open invitation for anyone who wants to come to God and receive the life that he has, the forgiveness, the fresh start, uh, resurrection power pulsing through your body that will enable you to live a life so much different to what you could live in your own strength. And this brings me to the last thought and the last sentence. It says that this was done to release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And here, I guess, the the writer is striking right at my first thought, and that is that we, we don't even like to talk about those things. I think that can be why this season is so disturbing to us. Death is a part of it, an undeniable part, and we are so uncomfortable with that. And here, the, the Bible shows us, it knows the heart of humanity, that the fear of death, the fear of uncertainty, and what will become of me when I die, is actually a bondage that holds people in fear. So what was that first Easter in this context? Well, that first Easter was the construction of a superhighway. You might go, well, How do you get that out of that? You know, interestingly, in Toowoomba here, we've just experienced the opening of the second range crossing and it is an amazing road. If you've ever had the opportunity to drive on it, it it costs an insane amount of money. But uh, the first time I drove on it, I I just marveled. I marveled at the viaduct that that goes over the valleys. I, I marveled at some of the mountainsides. They have literally moved mountains to put this massive road right through for a bypass around Toowoomba City itself. And, uh, and it's a, it's a work of art. And obviously it's, it's made so a lot of traffic can come on it. And when I talk about Easter in this context and people being freed from their fear of death to release those who through fear of left death were in bondage, what Jesus was doing was creating a way. He was making a way. I'd call it a super highway out of bondage, out of despair, out of hopelessness, out of the brokenness of, of our, our own sin and etc. God has made a way. It's like a super highway. I actually think that the, the devil and his demons, if we could look at it this way, just to characterize it. When Jesus died and was in the tomb those three days, I think they had a three day party. I actually think the devil, uh, and this is speculation, but was 
was rejoicing over the fact that the Son of God was dead and done away with. Interestingly, the Bible says that the sting of death is actually sin, is our own brokenness. Literally, the the active ingredient, the power, the actuating force of death is sin. Sin literally ties us to death. And it's easy to see how it does it. Uh, If we look around in our lives from the way that we treat other people, and I'm talking about society in general and humanity in general, but from the way we treat other people to the way we treat our fragile planet, you can see that our own selfishness ties us to death and to brokenness. But interestingly, the Bible also says that Christ knew no sin, uh, which actually means that if the sting of death is sin, if there was no sin, then death did not have any hold on him. And literally, it was impossible for Jesus to stay dead. God literally yanked him out of that tomb. It was impossible for him to stay dead because he did not know sin. He didn't commit it. It wasn't part of his makeup. Acts chapter 2 verse 24 says this really clearly. It says, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Man, I love this. God's ability to do that for Jesus is actually a reassurance that what he did for Jesus, he's able to do for us. As Christ was raised out of the grave, you will be raised. Uh, 1 John 2, 2, uh, 3, 2 says, we don't know what we're going to look like and what that's going to be like. We just know this, we're going to be like him. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says this, this mortal must put on immortality. It's almost like we get to put on a brand new suit. Death is not the end. It is the beginning of something else. That's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. That's why, you know, we we worship and we praise God. We celebrate Jesus for all that he's done for us, because ultimately the fulfillment of the Christmas story has destroyed the power of him who holds us captive to death and has also destroyed the fear of death so that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we don't need to be so worried about what comes next. Of course, we all want to live long and happy lives. But even if that was not the case, there is something greater. There is something more. As God raised Christ, so too will he raise us. And that's why we celebrate Easter. That's what Easter was. That's what Easter delivered and brought to our lives. So I would really like to pray for us today in the light of all that Jesus has done. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, uh, giving Jesus, for Jesus coming and uh, laying his life down willingly, the innocent for the guilty. I thank you, Father, that that broke the power of death, that destroyed the the hold that the devil has on people's hearts. If they want to be free, it's now possible. I thank you that it's also destroyed uh, the, the fear of death for those who embrace what you've done. We don't have to walk in the shadow of death. We know, we know that our Savior has us. And because of your willingness to raise him, 
you will also raise those who have placed their faith and their trust in him. In Jesus' name, Father, we give you praise. We give you thanks. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and you know, maybe, friends, as you've listened, you would say, well, that hasn't been my experience. That's not where I'm at with this whole journey and the meaning of Easter. Maybe you didn't actually realize that this is what Easter has achieved for you if you want to embrace it. Uh, so I've prepared a special clip. It's going to be up next um, just to help you embrace this wonderful truth for your own life. And so uh, God bless you, folks. Let's walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and all that Jesus has done for us.